What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Double Move Sports. As always, I'm Steph. And I am Alex. And today we're going to be interviewing a guy that many of you know as the Borgogan from the Fantasy Footballers. He stopped by at Double Move to give his takes on a couple things. But real quickly, before we get into that, I just wanted to mention a few things here. We're releasing fantasy highlights and player highlights on the YouTube channel. Go check those out. We try to keep those pretty entertaining and light you know your average video is going to be three or four minutes just to hit some key plays from some of our favorite fantasy players yeah so far we've done guys like Jarvis Landry DJ Shark Hollywood Brown Austin Eckler and we're going to keep building those out uh, throughout the offseason so be sure to check it out and without further ado let's hop right into the interview today on the show we have a very special guest with us some of you may know him as the Borgogan. Others might know him as Kyle the Editor, but it's the man himself, Kyle Borgononi from the Fantasy Footballers. Welcome onto the show, man. Guys, thanks for thanks for having me. And uh yeah, anytime I get to jump on a pod and talk football in January after their after fantasy season, I'm I'm down for it. We're so excited to have you on, man. We're gonna get into a lot of good stuff here. We're gonna talk playoffs we're gonna learn a little bit about you we're gonna go into some dfs picks and maybe a few more other fun segments here related to free agency and some early 2020 sleepers um alex say what's up to the people hey everyone i am here too don't forget about me uh we are really excited (laughs) to have kyle on the show today um so let's go ahead and jump right into it awesome so kyle we just want to give folks a little bit of background that that are listening here Tell us a little about yourself, your background, and how you got connected with the fantasy footballers. Yeah, so, I mean, I started listening to the show right when they really started, um, even after that first year where they were um, recording out of Andy's basement. But uh, honestly, I just, it was the timing when it came to fantasy football. I just got back into fantasy sports. I honestly took a break while I was in college, which is kind of shocking. I played it a ton in high school took a break in college and then I came back around and that was the first show that I really connected with and so when they put out to to have some writers I had been writing for fantasy pros for about a year and I actually had a point where I was you know thinking about going further with fantasy pros Bobby Sylvester um, fantasy pros is a good friend and so I was going to think about doing some podcasting stuff with them but it was kind of the camaraderie with the footballers and just um that it's fun. I mean, people that listen to the show know that it's a fun show. And um, so I kind of just got addicted to the community and the people and um, those three guys. And so I started writing for them for a couple years and then I became editor. And um, it's a fun journey each week because I get to prep all of our show docs and with all the stats and um, basically give them talking points and then let them do what they're really good at doing. So it's kind of been a wild journey from me just jumping back into fantasy to somehow editing for the number one fantasy podcast somehow. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's um, an incredible story. I think, you know, a lot of people have have joined that fantasy footballers community over the years and the Foot Clan and everything is probably um, the biggest community in the fantasy industry. I mean, even over a lot of the mainstream guys like ESPN and Yahoo, they don't really have anything quite like that. So um, that that's awesome. That's that's definitely why we like to follow the fantasy footballers as well. Uh, and Kyle, as the editor in chief, I know you just hit on it a little bit, but what are your biggest roles and responsibilities? Like, what does your day to day look like? What does your content look like? Walk us through that process a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, in terms of our team of writers, um, I kind of get to manage and and make sure that that team is set up well for 
I'm writing off season and in season. Um, and I just, what's easy for me is that, um, and the footballers are big about this. We recruit people first. And so we just have some really like good people that work for us. It's not just like they're good writers and they produce good content and they crank stuff out. Um, and so I get to manage that team, make sure that what we're putting out there actually has relevance, that it's actually, you know, when we do our Google analytics, this is what people want to read. Um, and then myself, I get to write a couple different articles each, each, um, you know, I, I do a quarterback article. I've been doing that for about four years now. Um, I get to dive into a lot of our postseason kind of truth episodes and statistics, but every single episode before it comes out, Brooks and I, Brooks, uh, Judge Giamatti on the show, uh, we kind of collaborate and set up the document, just a Google Doc that um, makes sure that we have everything in place from not just ads and sponsors, but um, what is the content, what are the questions, what are the things that we need to feed um, Andy, Mike, and Jason for the show. So that to me, it's like a puzzle. That's the way I like to describe it. It's like a puzzle each week. How do I set up these pieces and set up these guys for success? And so as I'm listening back to the podcast, you know, each day it's kind of like, oh, that that actually set them up really well right here. Or, hey, this this actually set them up um, for a really funny, stupid moment. So um, that's kind of the joy I have as an editor to do that. And then there, there's a lot of our DFS content that I edit as well um, each week. And so that's kind of fun for me to kind of figure that out each week. Well, I hear you have a uncanny knack for finding deep tight ends. Is that true? <laughs> I've I've been two for two the last two years. So I wrote an article on George Kittle two years ago, um, and so I drafted him everywhere. And then this year, my my guy was Mark Andrews, and so um, yeah, those those two. And there's a couple of um, reasons why those people popped to me. And there's actually a guy. If we're going to talk about sleepers later. I don't want to say his name, but I feel pretty good about it based on this year's data. I'm on the edge of my seat uh, <laughs> waiting for that sleeper, but I'm guessing you approve of the $44 fab spend that's become known as the Kittle? The Kittle, yes. No, I was I was telling Andy that that's, that's the way to go for it. And I mean, with Kittle, it, you know, he's a freak of nature. He basically outproduced OJ Howard, Evan Ingram at the Combine that year but somehow fell way down in the draft. And then the way that they were using him his uh, first year in the league, uh, he's, I mean, we talk about it, he's a yak master. And so that's actually a trait that I've found when you find players that are consistently getting yards after the catch, like DJ Moore. Um, this year you saw it with Debo Samuel and AJ Brown. That, that like should scream to us, these people are freaks and people don't want to tackle them. So yeah, I, I loved Kittle, and uh, I was fortunate to get him in a lot of leagues that year. Very cool, very cool. So, so Kyle, tell us, what's it like working with Andy, Mike, and Jason? Are they, I mean, are they the same people we see on camera every day? Yes, and honestly, that's, uh, th I love that that's the way you set it up, because that's the way I would, I tell people all the time. I tell, you know, friends that I, um, that are in my leagues with me, um, anybody that listens to the podcast, they really are the same people, um, you know, off the podcast. Uh, Jason really does talk like that all the time. <laughs> and, um, you know, Andy really is the dad of the group off the podcast as well. But um, that's what's just so great working with them is they're not trying to be something different. And I know um, just as so many different podcasts are coming out, that's the advice that I always give people is um, just be yourself. Don't try to be Matthew Barry or somebody else. Like that's the same thing Barry would tell a bunch of people is, you know, find out what you can be really good at 
and be really clear. And, and that's what they're, they're so good at. And I'll just say this, um, beyond just the podcast, them as family men is, is just one of the things that we connect on most. And that's one of the principles of the company is just that we put our families first. And, um, so that's, I mean, there's so many opportunities for the footballers and, um, they're involved so many places, but for them to be consistent people across the board has made me want to stay when I could have, you know, moved on. Man, Kyle, you got me ready to run through a brick wall right now. I'm, I'm pretty hyped up. Um, any any funny behind-the-scenes stories that we haven't heard before of you recording with the guys? Any funny podcast moments or uh, off-camera stuff? Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm here in Atlanta, so I don't get to be there all the time. I get to, you know, listen to podcasts before everyone else, and I get to, you know, and our Slack channel is, is you know, it's hilarious the whole time, um, especially on game days. But... Um, I guess for me, I mean, it's it's uh, it's funny thinking about uh, the things that I'll that I'll type in the document that will make them laugh or that like they'll pause. And so I, I had this moment where I every single chance I got, I tried to just rip on Jimmy Graham. <laughs> you guys have been listening on the podcast, but every single show yes. I basically wrote as much as I could on Jimmy Graham. <laughs> And how he's a walking court. I believe on one of those last shows, they compared, would you rather start Jimmy Graham or, you know, sit at the DMV or oh, I <laughs> do an ongoing that. thing for yeah. me. I don't know why, but it's just something I've stayed with for a couple of months now where I just trash Jimmy Graham as much as I can. So I'm going to take him off my DFS list for later right now. I don't even want to bring him up. <laughs> when, whenever he does great, people always message me and they say, you know, I told you so. Well, look, man, we're, we're, you know, we look up to Andy, Mike and Jason. It's really awesome to hear that, you know, they are the upstanding citizens that, you know, they come off as on the show. It looks like it feels like from everyone that we've talked to and what we've seen is, is they really are like that uh, off camera or off the mic as well. Real quickly, one before we get into some of the playoff predictions is Kyle, what's your favorite draft strategy? You know, you hear a couple of different ones every year. Maybe I'm going to go RB heavy early or zero quarterback. Is there one like that that just stands out to you? You know, it's so tempting for me to want to take as many wide receivers early, um, not to go completely zero RB, but it's fun when you look in your roster and you go, man, I have three wide receivers that could just destroy someone else. And um, it backfired on me this year. I had Odo Beckham and Keenan Allen on a, <laughs> on a main Oof. team. But um, I guess for me, I want to make sure that I reserve, I know where I'm hitting my tight ends. I know that, like I said, I've had some success recently hitting on high-end tight ends after the 11th or 12th round. But for me this year, something that I tried out is I took a shot on um, a couple of quarterbacks um, that I thought had a ceiling. And so one of the strategies I... I kind of encourage people to do is because everyone's overreacted about quarterback and they basically said, you know, I can wait on quarterback. I'd rather go the opposite way and then say, you know, what, when it gets to the eighth, ninth or 10th round, I don't mind taking a shot on two quarterbacks that have the ceiling to basically go banana. So this year I had a couple of teams where I took Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray um, because I believe one of them could be a top three quarterback. And that paid off really quickly. And I, and I dropped Kyler really quickly. But, you know, Kyler was on pace the first, you know, 11 weeks of the season to be a top four quarterback. So he, he was great. 
but I think people are so scared to wait on quarterback. I just want to wait until I have a shot at somebody that has that kind of upside. So that's something I would just encourage people to do. I also don't draft a defense or a kicker. I wait until, you know, the day of. So I'm not really wasting a spot by having two quarterbacks coming out of the draft. Um, and I think it's just a way to zig while everyone else is zagging. Oh, that's that's definitely a great way to put it. I, I love that take there. And, you know, the fact that you're not saying, hey, go go zero quarterback. And like, like You have to wait for the, the values to come to you. So I think treating every draft a little bit differently now – you know, other strategies will work better than others, certainly. But yeah, I, I certainly don't mind that late uh, double quarterback take there. I think there's some rookies in this draft. If they don't get overhyped, you know, a guy like Jalen Hurts could actually be really interesting for some ceiling, depending on what situation he enters. Yeah, and, and the thing is with rushing, um, we kind of undervalued how high of a ceiling that can give certain quarterbacks. And yeah, it's, with rookies, there's the unknown. So what's the worst case you take a shot on him you know in the 13th 14th round and if it doesn't work out just cut him I mean those are people at the end of your bench but you have that chance to say you know what is this a Cam Newton season is this a you know one of those seasons and Kyler actually you know is one of the only rookie quarterbacks it's just him and Cam that threw for 3,700 yards 20 touchdowns and 500 rushing yards no one else has done that so he had a historic season has just kind of got overlooked Wow, that, that's pretty big. Um, man, that, that's a hot start right there. Well, I think uh, talking of hot quarterbacks and hot teams, I think it's time to jump into some of our playoff predictions. Let's talk about the first one, the one everybody's talking about here. Tennessee Titans go into Kansas City. They go into Arrowhead. The Chiefs are 7.5-point favorites at home, 52-point over-under in this game. Man, if, if either of these games is going to be an upset, to me, I, I think it's this one. The last time these two teams played each other was back in Week 10. You had Mahomes playing in his first game back from knee injury. You had Tannehill's fourth ever start as the Titans quarterback. This game should have went to overtime last time they played. I, I went back and watched the film, and there was a man clearly offsides that blocked a field goal that the Chiefs hit with, times run, with time running out that, that would have sent this game into OT. I mean, the Titans were 10-point underdogs on the road against the Ravens, and they won that game 28-12. to We saw them come out early, put up a big lead, and this Tennessee team is perfectly built to play with a lead. They showed that against Baltimore. They went up 14-0, and they just run the ball so efficiently. You know, you had Derrick Henry in this playoffs. He's putting up 5.9 yards per carry. He's on an absolute tear. It's a hot stat on him real quick. Over the past eight games in which he's played, Henry has rushed for 203 times for 1,273 yards and 11 touchdowns. That's over six yards per carry and the all-time record for most rushing yards in any eight-game stretch in NFL history. So, look, I'm circling this one as a potential upset. I think Tennessee could go up big early and shot Kansas City, but... I mean, if there's any team that can come back from a deficit, it's the Chiefs like we saw last week against the Texans. Yeah, for me, I honestly don't have a great read on this game, um, maybe because Tennessee's just throwing me off so much. Um, but yeah, I was looking back at that last game and how weird it was that Kansas City had the ball for 37 minutes. Like, they controlled the clock, but they had to settle for a bunch of field goals. Um, so yeah, I'm still just try kind of puzzled that Tannehill, I think he completed like 13 passes and they won the game. So I'm just wondering, can he keep up that type of play where he's completed, you know, less than 15 passes? 
Yeah, Kyle, that's a great point. The biggest the biggest thing in my notes is that if the Titans want a chance to win, I think Tannehill and A.J. Brown need to ball out. They, they can't continue to win with, with Tannehill throwing for under 100 yards. Um, so we'll see. I think if the Chiefs jump up to a lead, we're really going to see what Tannehill is made of. And, uh, you know, A.J. Brown, the last two games, has had one catch per game. So he's a freak athlete. I know we're all excited for him in fantasy next year. But this has kind of showed us, like, when they – match up against either a team with a really good corner like we saw against Marshawn Lattimore earlier in the year we saw it with Gilmore in the first round of the playoffs he's kind of shut down and then when there's a game where they get out to a lead and they run the ball with Derrick Henry 30 times there's no need to pass the ball so uh, definitely brings up some concern there for AJ next year but I think we're really going to see what they're made of in this one with a 52 point over under I mean if the Titans don't jump out to a lead they might be in trouble. And you think about how well the Titans have played on the road, you know, winning, you know, at New England, winning at Baltimore, which is, you know, crazy. If you would have told me that, I thought you were crazy at the beginning of the playoffs. But I look back and Kansas City actually started off the year one in three in their first four games at home. And, you know, that just shocked me. I just figured that they would have been lights out. And there's a game in week five that I wrote this up recently, but there's a game in week five where... The Chiefs lost to the Colts. I don't know if you guys remember that. It was a Sunday night game. Oh, yeah. And Marlon Mack. 19 to 13, right? Yeah, and Marlon Mack just kind of controlled the clock. The Colts had the ball for 37 minutes. And and uh, I just, I wonder, you know, that game, I went back. That game was the highest over-under of the year. It was like 56 and a half points. And it ended up being just kind of a dud, grinded out game. I'm wondering if that's something that Derrick Henry and them can could do again. Absolutely. I mean, the Chiefs are 26th in rush yards allowed per game at 128 yards, and then the Titans are third in rush yards per game at 138. So I'm honestly taking the over to that 138 yards in this one. I think they're going to try to absolutely feed Henry. And that game with the Colts, I mean, I know that was a lot earlier in the season, but in a way that kind of laid out the blueprint to beat the Chiefs. So um, we'll see what happens. But but yeah, I think the Titans are going to game plan well. Their game plan against Baltimore was awesome to force Lamar to throw to the outside, run to the outside. So we'll see what Vrabel is able to cook up in this one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. I think it'll come down to the wire. Let's move on here. Green Bay going into San Francisco. San Francisco are seven-point favorites in this one, 44-point over-under, relatively low there. Alex, I'll have you give your prediction first. Who do you have taking this one? I've got I've got the Niners here. It's tough to pick against them with how well they're playing right now. I mean, we all saw this game in the regular season where the 49ers absolutely beat the brakes off of the Packers 37 to 8. Uh, the Niners' defense has just been dominant. They're second in total defense. The run game has been dominant. They're second in rush yards per game. Um, so, yeah, the 49ers haven't really showed many signs of weakness. All their losses this year have come down to the wire, this one being – in San Francisco, I just can't see them losing this game. The one thing I will say, if if the if the Packers are able to jump out to a lead, um, I don't know that I necessarily trust Jimmy Garoppolo to lead a comeback. He's been very good this year. He's been very efficient. But we haven't really seen him come through in crunch time very often. So if the Packers are going to win this one, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have to come out uh, guns a-blazing and get the Packers up in this game and force Jimmy G to make some plays. But I do have the Niners to take this one. Yeah, I agree with like most of those points too, especially when it comes to Jimmy G. If he's just going to sit back in zone coverage and just pick apart the Packers, I feel like um, I feel like it's just going to be very easy for the Niners to steamroll. But one of the things that um, 
I've kind of noticed recently is that Green Bay likes to kind of just sit back and honestly they don't use a lot of five and six man front so they don't blitz a ton and if you're not going to blitz Jimmy Jean you're going to be able to control the clock um, with those running backs I feel like the Packers are going to be playing from behind and for me it's like I've noticed Rodgers kind of takes the second and third quarter to kind of just chill run around fart around (laughs) and then once you know when it's fourth quarter is when things start to get interesting and so that's what happened in Seattle like they almost came all the way back uh, you know with that game last week and so I mean I like I I don't mind the line I think I actually would take the Packers in the seven but I, I, I would still think the Niners would win yeah for some reason that last regular season game in Detroit is like ingrained in my mind for the Packers and they were playing for the bye there. And I just remember how badly they struggled in Detroit against a Lions team that had absolutely nothing to play for. And for some reason, even though they played well this past week against Seattle, I just can't get that bad taste out of my mouth. So I'm with you. I do think the Packers cover this spread. I was actually surprised to see it um, at seven points. But uh, but yeah, to your point, I think um, the Niners do take it. Yeah, keeping a lead seems to be kind of a motif, or struggling to keep a lead, I should say, has been something that Green Bay has struggled with kind of all season long. And even the last playoff game, we saw the Seahawks kind of making a run towards the end, even just Russell Wilson putting the whole game on his back. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I have San Francisco by a mile here. Uh, I kind of do believe in the, you know, LaFleur is is baby Shanahan, uh, so to speak. So I'm going to take the father over the son in this one. And I'm really not worried about the San Francisco offense. The Packers have been uh, their 23rd uh, against the run. Uh, That's in terms of uh, defensive efficiency. And I've been uh, exposed on the ground multiple times by some backs that we don't think as highly of. We had Jordan Howard rush for over 100 against them. Adrian Peterson ate them up. And, you know, Shanahan, Shanahan knows how to run the ball and throw these defenses off a of shadow motion. I, I think they'll run that all over the Packers. I think the Packers will show a little bit back at them. Um, but on the other side of the coin, man, it's like this could be one of Rodgers' last NFC Championship games. This is only the third appearance since that Super Bowl back in 2010 for the Packers. I feel like there's no way he's going to let this game slip away. Um, so we, we might see some uh, classic primetime Rodgers in this one. Maybe it comes down to a Hail Mary. Yeah, we would love to see that. Rodgers has definitely had some success on the Hail Mary in the past. Uh, I think he was interviewed one time <laughs> kind of saying, like, what's the secret? He's like, just throw it as far as you can. Um, so, so moving on to, I mean, switching gears a little bit here to some DFS uh, this weekend. We've got a great slate on Sunday. Uh, we'll be covering the two games we just talked about on the slate. So first thing we're going to do is jump into cash games. And Kyle, we're going to pass the ball over to you in cash. Who are some of your chalk picks on this slate? Who are some of the guys that you're locking and loading into your lineup? When it comes to DK, because you get those three-point bonuses when you go over 300 yards you know, passing or 100 yards rushing, in this small of a slate, it's kind of hard to move off of someone like Mahomes. And if you're if you're you have the stones to keep fading Derrick Henry, um, go for it. I feel like whenever I've done that, it's always backfired on me. So um, honestly, there's not really a big price difference between Mahomes and Rodgers or Tannehill. You know, it's he's at 7,200 on DK. So honestly, Mahomes is kind of locked in. I, I feel like in a tournament, you know, he might hit 56, 50 plus percent. Just because he's the one that you look on here and say 300 yards, if you had to pick one of the four quarterbacks, it's him. And then, you know, along with that, Kelsey 
is going to be the chalk tight end, especially after going bananas last week. Um, he's 7,100, so he's basically the wide receiver three, if you want to think about that, behind Adams and Hill. And he's, you know, outproduced them last week. So I think he's just going to be in there. And then it's just, it's going to be really hard to get contrarian from the rest of the field unless you figure out which San Francisco running back is the one to, to pick this week. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the chalk guys I kind of had on my radar were Mahomes, Kelsey, and Henry. I was fiddling around on FanDuel today trying to figure out any possible way to get all three into my lineup. And unless I want to be starting like Jamal Williams and Tajay Sharp, I don't know if I can do it. So I think for me, I lean on the side of going Mahomes and maybe stacking him with like a Tyreek Hill um, to get Henry in there. It's just too hard for me to step away from Derrick Henry after rushing for over 180 yards in back-to-back games. Uh, but yeah, that's a great point you, you bring up there. And at the tight end spot, I know you mentioned it. So on, on FanDuel, George Kittle is at 7,000. Travis Kelsey is at 7,800. Would you have any interest in saving 800 bucks to go to Kittle this week? If you're playing 20 lineups or something, I don't mind you know, going a little overweight on Kittle, just knowing that the field is going to go for Kelsey. You know, it's it's kind of kind of easy. Um, it's hard to basically get away from a guy who we know is going to get eight plus targets and is a threat for 100, 100 yards. So I, on FanDuel, because it's so touchdown centric, I don't mind because it's basically a coin flip if Kelsey's going to get the touchdown. Um, but I feel like on DraftKings, it's like you know that that Kelsey's going to get the volume. Where Kittle last week, you know, if, if you had him on your team, you were sunk. Are you even touching Johnny Smith or Jimmy Graham with a 10-foot pole? <laughs> now, Jimmy Graham's basically <laughs> dead to me. <laughs> but, you know, if you want to get weird, here, here's what I think. The way that you're going to get contrarian is if you're saying, you know what, I'm going to take Kelsey and then I'm going to flex someone like Johnny. Or... Um, that that's going to be the way that you're going to be able to say, you know what, I'd like to get this person into my lineup um, and, and kind of differentiate myself. But once again, obviously, you have to have the touchdown. Absolutely. And would you, in any circumstance, maybe in a tournament, if you do want to get a little bit contrarian, consider maybe going Kelsey at the tight end spot and then flex Kittle? Yeah, I don't mind that at all, especially like you said on FanDuel, you know, he's 7,000. So when you're flexing a tight end, you basically are asking yourself, if he, this guy was a wide receiver, if he was priced as a wide receiver, would I take him, um, would I pivot from Tyreek or Devontae Adams and go with, with Kittle? So, yeah, I don't mind that either. Um, it's just, once again, it's going to get hard to basically say, I'm going to go Mahomes, Kelsey, Kittle, and then you don't have any room for Henry. Absolutely. And and on the on the bottom end of it, on the back end, which guys are you interested in? Uh, maybe that are budget ballers, guys that you're saving a little cash on that you think could hit this week. At the running back spot, you know, guys like Tevin Coleman, uh, Mostert, guys like that. And then at the receiver spot, there's Debo, Emmanuel Sanders. You got both of the Lizard Kings, Sammy Watkins and Alan Lazard. Um, and then maybe even down to like Corey Davis or Miko Hardman. Any interest in any of those guys? And which one are you kind of targeting to balance out your roster? A Lizard lineup. That would be bold. That would be nice. <laughs> That would be that'd be quite cold a, blooded. Cold-blooded. That would be perfect for the brand, and uh, I I am um, sadly still into Sammy Watkins. I probably need to 
go find a help group. But um, <laughs> but honestly, there's a name that I really like, and there's some bias here because in week 16, um, I wrote up Tajay Sharp as someone to play, and he went for uh, two touchdowns that week, so I felt like a smart person for one week in DFS. But um, honestly, back when they played each other earlier in the season, um, Adam Humphreys was actually the one that caught the game-winning touchdown. And so uh, if you look at just kind of the matchups, the where the Chiefs can be beat is in the slot. Uh, Kendall Fuller uh, is actually giving up the most fantasy points per route run, thanks to PFF. Uh, and that's more than any other cornerback on this slate. So he's kind of someone down there, especially on DraftKings, which, you know, for a slot guy, he's at 3,100. Uh, if you're not going to play A.J. Brown, that's a good way to basically say, you know what, I think the Titans are going to be playing from behind, but I think A.J. Brown is going to be locked down. I don't mind him down there because I think it's going to be one of these random wide receivers that you know gets four or five catches and maybe catches a touchdown that kind of puts you over the top. Adam Humphreys is technically questionable, so if he comes back, then obviously Sharp's a no-go, but uh, he hasn't played in weeks and weeks and weeks. So, um, like last week, it was Khalif Raymond. If you would have played him, you would have had the dart throw from Tennessee. Um, so it's just finding one of those guys, and I think Sharp is one that I don't mind. Uh, and once again, I don't mind Sammy Watkins. I know that he will probably bury you. But uh, Logan Ryan gave up more receiving yards than any other cornerback in the league this year, like the most. Wow. And he has a big name, you know, he used to be on the Patriots and whatnot, but he gives up yards. And so if you want to move off of Tyreek Hill and you want to get Sammy Watkins for 4,600 on DraftKings, uh, why not? Yeah, I love Sammy Watkins this week, actually. I mean, last week, two receptions for 76 yards, and he had a rush on the ground for 14 yards. So, I mean, didn't technically burn you, uh, probably more than you would have thought for Sammy Watkins, but uh, I do like him this week as well as a deep value. Do you like Mikko Hardman over Watkins? Uh, on DraftKings, Hardman is about 3,800 to Watkins, 4,600. Yeah, you know, on the show, we call him the one-touch man because, yeah, he's a threat to get a touchdown. I don't mind that, and I, 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 would, I would be interested in Hardman, especially – if you have the Chiefs defense and you want to double dip, I love when you kind of get those rare moments where, you know, he takes a punt back or, you know, Tyreek takes a punt back or somebody, you know, when you have somebody that has special teams ability as well, um, you have a chance of kind of getting a leg up on the field because you're getting two touchdowns for a return. And obviously those are really hard to gauge, but um, in this small of a slate, it's fun shooting for something like that in a big tournament. Absolutely, I'm right there with you. Alex, anything to, to add to this DFS segment here? Just really quickly, um, especially in tournaments. Uh, and yeah, he gives you that that uh, opportunity with Chiefs D. If you're in a tournament and you get Mecole, um and Chiefs D and he takes a kick to the house, you're a leg up on everybody. So even if he does get one touch, <laughs> he can really make it happen and, and have a decent week. So um, nothing else here on DFS. Let's move forward to our free agency predictions. Fantastic. Yeah, so we'll preface this one a little bit. 
So what we're going to do is go through each of us, just a couple free agents, probably about three free agents a piece, predict where they might end up, why they're a fit for that landing spot. Maybe it's just the, the team or the offensive scheme. Maybe it's the cap space, uh, maybe some coaching history. But if you're right on this one, we can definitely repost it, say, hey, you called it. I know these are a little bit harder to predict. So this is more uh, kind of moving away from fantasy in just terms of like, hey, if, if you could control the NFL, what would be some interesting spots that you would love to see? And I'll go first with one with one here. Probably one of the biggest free agents is AJ Green. Uh, I have him as a landing spot that I like on the Oakland Raiders. When you, when you look at the Raiders roster, you feel like the one thing they're truly missing is a wide receiver one, a true wide receiver one. They thought they had it in Antonio Brown. We all know how that turned out. But for the death by a thousand cuts style of offense that Gruden wants to run, his team desperately needs a top receiving option, especially one that can make plays on third down in the red zone. Based on his age and his injury history, I don't think the Raiders need to go sign a guy who's going to take a ton of hits, but just a guy who can get open and use his size to make plays. The Raiders were in that playoff mix for a while this season, so I don't think it's uh, it's a bad spot for Green in terms of you know, winning games. So I, I would love to see that one. I think he could fill a void that is desperately needed for Gruden's system. Yeah, I think that's a great take. One of my guys as well was actually A.J. Green to the Raiders. So A.J. Green to the Raiders has the full double move stamp of approval on it. They have, that, go. <laughs> they have that Antonio Brown-sized void. Uh, that will be taking itself to Vegas this year. And hey, to add another hot take into the mix, could the Raiders also sign the red rifle Andy Dalton to a prove-it type of deal to get some competition in there with Derek Carr? Derek Carr's been on the hot seat for years. What if we saw Andy Dalton and A.J. Green reunite in Vegas? Wouldn't that be something? What's interesting is that A.J. Green was actually one of the, my guys that I wanted to talk about as well. Um, selfishly because he's on one of my dynasty rosters rotting away. But, um, yeah, there's a number of teams that have cap space that honestly have room for a big receiver. Um, the Raiders are one. Um, the Jets, if they move on from Robbie Anderson, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate that, um, depending on if Adam Gase is interested or, or not. And then I'll just throw out one more team maybe for Green. Um, the Bills invested a lot of money in wide receivers last year with John Brown and Cole Beasley, but if they want an actual big, tall target for Josh Allen, I, I could see them rolling dice. They're a much more conservative organization when it comes to you know spinning on someone like A.J. Green, but uh, I feel like there's room for one of, one of teams like that that are almost there that just need one more you know weapon to go over the top. I wonder if the Bills are looking back at this you know, playoffs and saying, if we just had, you know, an alpha wide receiver, we could have made it. Yeah. I mean, speaking of Antonio Brown sized voids, the bills have a, have one of those as well. So I, I would love to see that. I think that could definitely take Allen to the next level in the bills. Yeah. Bills have 89 million in cap space. That's fourth in the entirety of the NFL. The Raiders that we mentioned, they have 62 million in cap space. That's 10th. So both of these options have a ton of room to go out and buy an AJ green coming off a essentially missed season from injury now another one i want to throw out there one i like this is a homer pick you know i'm I'm from louisville kentucky i'm a big university of louisville fan i was on the lamar jackson hype train way before anybody else and, and so was alex we went to school with lamar actually met him a couple times but the homer pick that i'm taking here is teddy bridgewater 
And I think actually a pretty good landing spot for him. Not that he probably wants to leave New Orleans right now as they're kind of grooming him to be that Drew Brees, uh, you know, to pass the torch kind of deal. But I would love to see Teddy on the Chargers. I think that'd be a great fit for him. If they don't want to go to the draft with that uh, sixth pick that they have, you know, maybe Tua and Burrow are off the board for them. They say, hey, we don't really like a ton of the other guys that are out here. Um, you know, maybe they go Teddy. And, and I think the Chargers are built to be one of those playoff teams right now. We saw the rapport that Michael Thomas and Teddy had when, uh, you know, he took over for Drew Brees in those five games where they won five straight. You know, the Chargers have Keenan Allen, who's been a staple as a great wide receiver over the last five years. And then on defense, I think they have a great roster, a win-now roster with Bosa, Ingram, Casey Hayward, James. I, I like the Chargers a lot on both sides of the ball. They have $56 million in cap space. So maybe they can give Teddy an offer he can't refuse. And plus, I don't think he'll mind the weather out in L.A. Yeah, I love that take, Steph. I think, I mean, I think that could be kind of like the next generation for the Chargers. It could be the Bridgewater and Eckler show um, because, you know, Melvin Gordon is going to be a free agent this offseason. And um, I, I just can't see the Chargers re-signing him. So, you know, transitioning kind of to where we think Melvin Gordon's going to go, I think a good landing spot for him could be the Houston Texans. There were actually a lot of rumors this past season when Gordon was holding out that he could end up in Houston. And I think it just makes too much sense. Austin Eckler proved himself as the running back of the future in L.A. No, I don't think he's an every down back. I think they do like what they have in Justin Jackson, though, to take maybe 10 to 12 touches a game. So if Melvin Gordon's expecting the contract um, that Zeke got from the Chargers, I think he is beside himself, and I don't think he's going to get it. So I think the Texans are willing to come in and give Gordon the deal that he wants. I think they're frustrated from getting knocked out in the divisional round. It seems like 10 years in a row. Um, so, I mean, all they have right now is Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson. Deontay Foreman has had so many injuries, I don't think they're counting on him. Uh, Lamar Miller is also an, uh, an unrestricted free agent. And off of that ACL, you just don't know what they're going to get there. So I think they let all those guys walk. Maybe they bring back Duke Johnson as a receiving back because they did give up a decent amount of draft capital. I think it was a third or fourth rounder to get him. But I think Gordon could be a great fit in Houston. Pair him with Deshaun Watson, with DeAndre Hopkins. You have Stills and Fuller as your burners down the field. And wow, that's an electric team. Yeah, I'd agree that that's probably the best landing spot for Melvin Gordon, because um, when you really look at the cap space and you see what teams, you know, want to invest in a running back, there's a lot of teams that you know I think understand that you know putting that much money towards someone that's in their mid to late twenties um, isn't a great way. Miami has a lot of money sitting there; it's at 94 million. Um, Tampa Bay's up there as well. I feel like with those teams, though, um, investing, you know. 30, 40 million, you know, in a two year contract or so for Melvin Gordon isn't probably where they're going to go. So, yeah, I'd agree. It's, I feel like Bill O'Brien likes that kind of football. Kyle, before I hop into my third and final free agent, I want to touch on any, any guys that you want to bring up that you're looking at, some of the names that are free agents this year. If we look at just wide receivers, we're looking at, you know, we already mentioned AJ Green. We have Emmanuel Sanders. Devin Funches, Amari Cooper, Randall Cobb, uh, a couple other guys like Robbie Anderson are still out there, Philip Dorsett. Any of those get you excited for where they could potentially land? I mean, Cooper's probably the biggest one that's, you know, is is Dallas satisfied? Are they going to be able to, you know, be able to say, you know what, we're going to invest in this person? 
or um, or are they just going to move on? I feel like he's going to stay in Dallas. Um, but a name I want to bring up is Brashad Perryman, just because you know he played himself into some contract with some team that's going to gamble on him. I feel like he's going to get a kind of contract the way that Tyro Williams did in in Oakland, where they have the cap space, might as well blow it. But honestly, you know, you're, you're spending money on a guy who's best as a two or three. So um, I'm kind of looking at which teams are dumb enough to like throw down some money. Um, I've never been a big fan of Perriman, and so uh, I was slow to move forward. But um, I could see him getting a two or three year, year deal. Um, you know, with a couple different teams that are wide receiver needy. Um, well, certainly we know my Browns aren't going to take them. <laughs> Which I feel like they're one of the only ones dumb enough to actually. <laughs> well, another one I want to bring up is Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard's a free agent this year, and I really like the Bills as a landing spot for him. We'd already talked about the Bills. They have the fourth most cap space going into this offseason, and they really relegated Frank Gore to more goal line work and, and short yardage work. Not even sure if he's going to be part of their plans. He's a free agent. I think the Bills want to find another back that can go out and fit that mold. I think you give Frank Gore five years of youth and some better vision and some less tread on his tires, and I think that's Jordan Howard. We saw Devin Singletary. He looked great down the stretch. But honestly, the Bills aren't really a team that that passes the ball out of the backfield. Singletary averaged 2.4 receptions a game. The Bills have just always been kind of that more gritty, ground-and-pound running team. So I think Howard could be a good fit for that Bill. While he does have the goal line back work, and he's shown that in Philly, um, I think they could use him in a way that Philly has has done, where it's not just goal line work. We're giving it to him on, on first and second down a couple times a game. Um, could be a, an interesting situation in that Bills backfield. So I, I love Howard, and that's one I'm looking for in, in fantasy. Man, really quick, when you said five years of youth from Frank Gore, the first thing I did, like, I don't think I heard anything else you said. I was just, like, feverishly <laughs> looking up the age difference between Frank Gore and Jordan Howard, and He'd it's still actually 11, it's 11 years. Oh, my. Which is absolutely incredible. Uh, Frank Gore is wow. 36, and Jordan Howard is 25. So, yeah, put him in a time machine, um, and maybe they'll get Jordan Howard. But that's all I have to add. Kyle, do you have anything to add to that one? No, no. I'm I'm good. All right, Alex, give me your last free agent here that, that you're looking for and a good landing spot for him. Yeah, my last one. I'll try to be quick here. It's He's actually not a free agent, so this is kind of cheating, but it's David Johnson. I think he's either traded or I think he's cut, and I think he ends up on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Cardinals, I can't help but believe they're going to re-sign Kenyon Drake. He was absolutely awesome in that offense this year, just a perfect fit for Cliff Kingsbury and what he's trying to do. They, quite frankly, don't need David Johnson. Even when um, DJ was healthy, Kenyon Drake was the guy. So he has a $14 million cap hit for 2020. That's third amongst running backs. I don't think any team is going to trade for that. So I, I think the only options here are the Cardinals either eat the salary, they cut him, or they trade him and agree to pay a piece of that salary. So I think the Bucks go out and get him if they have to. Um, DJ will be reunited with Bruce Arians, who knows how to use him. Uh, he knows how to use them well. The Bucks are top five in projected cap space, so like we just talked about. So, like, realistically, they could afford it um, if they wanted to. And then Peyton Barber is going to be a free agent. I think David Johnson could come in and split the work with Ronald Jones, and that would be a really good pairing. So, so my, my last free agency prediction, which is not really a free agent, is David Johnson to the Buccaneers. 
Kyle, any more that you want to throw out there? I'll throw out a fun one. Uh, we mentioned Dalton earlier, but um, I don't think he's going to be a Bengal because Joe Burrow's going to be there. But um, it wouldn't shock me if he went to Chicago uh, to basically back up Trubisky and eventually take over for Trubisky. And Bill Lazor, who's now the offensive coordinator there, was his coordinator at one point as well. So there, there's some chemistry there, and maybe if Matt Nagy basically says, you know what, I just don't – I think this is a train wreck, and um, I just want to be able to have something else, maybe a bridge if we need to move on from Trubisky, I could see Andy Dalton going to Chicago. And I wouldn't hate that for Allen Robinson. No, I'd like that a lot. We saw Andy Dalton show out at the beginning of the year. We had, He had John Ross looking like a fantasy darling at the beginning of the 2019 season. And, no, I, I'm with you. I think Andy Dalton – would be great in Chicago. I think there's a lot of good landing spots. He'll certainly be in the league, maybe one of those guys fighting for a starting spot. So let's move over here. Last segment that we'll touch on are your way too early 2020 fantasy sleepers. So we're kind of moving into more redraft here. Who are some guys that are going to fall in drafts that you're seeing right now that folks really aren't that excited about? Is there a player that you're willing to take a shot on late in the draft. And Kyle, we'll have you go first on this one. Who are you eyeing? So I'll give you my early tight end kind of throw out there. And it shouldn't be super shocking knowing that there's draft pedigree here. But um, I feel like based on what I saw this year, um, Noah Fant might be the tight end that breaks out this next year. And he was frustrating if you ever got to watch any of those Broncos games because he had some – he had some opportunities to take a couple of the house and he just straight dropped them. But he has that yak ability, which is what you want out of a tight end. That's like one of the main statistics um, that I kind of, when I look at, you know, comparing tight ends and where their draft capital is, I want a tight end that can basically be near the league lead in that category. And that's what Andrews was his year before. It's what Kittle was. And so, um, Honestly, other than Cortland Sutton, there's no one else there. And Drew Locke at least looked competent. Uh, like, I thought he was going to be a train wreck. But he looked like, okay, you know what? This could be at least the guy moving forward. And it seems like he's not afraid to just chuck it. Um, and so that's what I want. I want a guy that can at least be the second target on his team. Um, he's not going to be able to overtake Sutton. But that was the best part about Andrews and Kittle was seeing like these guys could be the alphas on their team and Fant was drafted to be you know a kind of top you know five to seven tight end in the league and so he might grow into that and honestly I bet you're going to get him you know past the top 10 tight ends yeah he was drafted 20th overall in the 2019 draft taking that first round so absolutely you're, you're right on that draft pedigree and oddly enough I actually had Noah Fant as one of my sleepers here I mean he finished as the tight end 16 on the year on pretty limited volume only only 40 receptions which is 18th amongst all tight ends uh, even in a fairly dismal tight end landscape uh, he was second on the team like you said he had 14.8 percent of target share for the Broncos they need that number two for Sutton and he showed some explosiveness at times. We know tight ends typically don't do extremely well in their rookie year, so I'm with you. I, I you know, I see Noah Fan. I see a guy that's cut from the same cloth as like Evan Ingram. Uh, so certainly, I'm, I'm eyeing him as well. Alex, any that you want to bring up? Yeah, one guy that I do want to bring up. We've actually mentioned his name 
today a few more times than I expected, and it's Robbie Anderson. He's an unrestricted free agent this year, and I think a team is going to be willing to pay up and feature him in an offense. Here at Double Move Sports, we call Robbie Anderson the ultimate piece. Um, I don't really know why we do that, but that's just his nickname. So I think the ultimate piece is going to find a new home, and he's going to excel. He's already told the Jets they're not going to get a hometown discount, so I do expect him to be elsewhere. But let's look at what he did in 2019. And I know there was a lot of hype in Robbie as maybe a wide receiver two coming into the season, um, and it seems like he disappointed. But when you think about the Jets season, Darnold was out with Mono. Robbie Anderson was riding your bench, and you probably cut him. Uh, So a lot of people don't realize what he actually did down the stretch. And he's actually finished strong for the last several seasons. But over his past six in 2019, he averaged 14.9 PPR points per game. And 14.9 at the per-game level would have made you the wide receiver 20. So Robbie Anderson showed flashes over those last six games of what he can do. We've seen it before. He's a burner. He's a downfield guy. And if he gets to a spot that's going to feature him in an offense and give him um, a lot of target volume, he's a guy that could break out. So he's a way too early sleeper. He's a guy that definitely is going to be dependent on where he lands. Um, So we'll see where the hype goes, and I know the team is going to um, kind of guide the hype one way or another, but I do like Robbie Anderson as a talent, and I think he's going to have a good 2020 season. I love that take there. I think we gave him the nickname the ultimate piece because he was in a couple big trades, and always every time it would be star player and Robbie Anderson, and that happened like three or four times in the span of one month in one season. So from that day on, he was the ultimate piece. But I'm with you there. I, I think Robbie Anderson has – crazy speed and it'll be interesting to see where he ends up I think uh yeah there's a lot of teams that could could use his skill set right now another one I want to throw out that I think a lot of uh, folks are you know yes he's going to be fairly high he's he's a big name his ADP last year was a wide receiver seven but he left left a bad taste in a lot of fantasy players mouths which it's Juju Smith-Schuster before the 29th season uh in games with Big Ben Juju still looks great this year. Even in tough matchups like New England, he had about 14 fantasy points uh, in PPR leagues there. So not great, but it was New England. And then against San Francisco, he had three for 81 and a touchdown. So, I mean, he was fine in, in the small flashes that we did see. I think with Big Ben back, even if he's kind of the shell of what he once was, I think there's still some upside in Juju and the Steelers. We saw Mike Tomlin coach kind of carry the team just as a head coach it was he's absolutely my vote for coach of the year in 2019 we know he's going to get the ball into the hands of his playmakers and we know Juju's a world-class talent we've seen him take plenty of plays to the house even on a year with terrible quarterback and offensive play and we did some film reviews on our YouTube channel talking about Juju and in a lot of the plays he was wide open and simply Mason Rudolph just didn't see him or Duck Hodges didn't see him so um, Juju some folks might be sleeping on him a little bit. If he falls in your draft, I would absolutely be willing to scoop him up. I had, uh, looking at some other ADPs, I saw him as high as the wide receiver three or four before last year. I think he can get close to that again. But Kyle, what are your thoughts on that? A dynasty league, they talked about a lot on the podcast. I had the the lowest points in the league, and yet I won the championship somehow. Um, (laughs) But I have Juju on that roster. And so it just kind of depends in redraft leagues. If you can get him outside of that top 15, I mean, like you said, people have a terrible taste in their mouth when it comes to Juju. I mean, he just completely crushed your team if you you drafted him. I think he finished as the, like, outside outside the top 60 um, at the position. 
So yeah, if you can get him outside the top 15 and he ends up being your wide receiver too on your team, I, I mean, I think there's upside there, especially if Big Ben is back and uh, and he becomes the, the primary target again. Yeah, I love that take. I think Juju is definitely um, destined for a bounce back year in 2020. So getting into to my last guy and then we'll kick it back over to Kyle for um, his last guy. My last guy is, is Ronald Jones. I think he actually made some serious strides towards being uh, a top running back in the NFL this season. He actually had 172 carries and 31 catches in 2019, and that was after such a bad rookie year that a lot of people thought he might not even be involved in this offense at all this season. So his yards per carry actually improved from 1.9 in that rookie year to 4.2 this season. Um, and, and like we said earlier on the pod and we were talking about David Johnson, Peyton Barber's a free agent. I don't know if they're going to bring him back. That could vacate 154 carries and 16 catches in this Buccaneers offense. And if they don't bring in a guy like David Johnson, if they don't draft a guy or they don't bring in help, that's going to threaten Ronald Jones in that role. I think his upside um, is a top 15 running back. I really do. It's all dependent on what kind of help they bring in and what how that backfield shakes out. But if Ronald Jones is the feature back in this offense, he's getting all the goal line work. Uh, we saw that he is fairly involved in the pass game this season. I don't think there's any reason that he shouldn't be um, in consideration to finish the season as a high-end RB2. Uh, for my last one, I'm actually going to cheat a little bit and take two guys, but they have the same last name. So I, I feel like so it's basically one. Guy. It's basically one person. So yeah. um, Debo Samuel is not going to be a sleeper next year, but I can see him finishing inside the top fifteen, maybe even be a wide receiver one this next year. Wow! Yeah, that's hot. I love it. Yeah, uh, he honestly, like I said, when it comes to after the catch, that's something that I look for in a wide receiver. That's why I was really big on DJ Moore this past year, and honestly, he was a wide receiver one before getting hurt. Um, but it's that it's how they manufacture um, touches for him. He had 14 carries um, for 159 yards and three TDs, which is, you know, for a wide receiver, a really big deal. And when you look at wide receivers, like Robert Woods is, you know, great at this. But when you get those extra touches and then you're a, you know, nobody wants to tackle Debo Samuel. Those are the kind of players that when you look at the end of the season, you go, how did that guy finish there? Um, it's because they're they're actually adding on these kind of rushing yards. And so there's another player that is in the same mold that I think is just going to be buried on people's list next year, and that's Curtis Samuel. Um, and so, like I said, I was really into DJ Moore this this past year, and I think Curtis Samuel is going to be buried. I bet he's gonna his ADP is going to be, you know, wide receiver 45 or whatever so you could get him as your you know fourth receiver if you wanted to um but here's the deal with curtis samuel did you know that curtis samuel ran more routes than any other player in the league this past year which either means he was just running around a bunch and it didn't really matter or it means that he's as involved in this offense as anyone else and his catch rate was terrible you know it was 51%, but who was throwing in the ball, you know, it was Kyle Allen and Will Greer. And so if Cam Newton comes back or if they decide to go somewhere else, I, I like Curtis Samuel. And he also is involved in uh, the rush game as well. He had 130 rushing yards. And so when you add those kind of pieces together and you have someone that honestly, people going into this year said, maybe Samuel's the wide receiver one there. I'd rather take the cheaper draft price of the Panthers receiver 
and you know I don't mind getting where he is and maybe he could finish as a wide receiver too I actually love that take. I, I think Curtis, I'm actually kind of mad that you brought him up because he's been <laughs> one that I'm trying to keep to, to pretty quiet on. But you look at a stat that more people have been bringing up lately. You look at air yards. So looking at you know how far the ball travels in the air before it gets to a receiver and whether they make the reception or not. But just looking at air yards alone, and, and usually the top names in that list are going to be your top wide receivers. So the ones this year, we had Julio Jones, Mike Evans, and Devontae Parker as the top three in air yards. If you go through that list, the rest of the names are like Kenny Galladay, John Brown, Allen Robinson, and right at number nine is Curtis Samuel. So absolutely, I think there's reception, positive regression that's going to happen here just based on the air yards that he's getting. If that catch rate goes up even just 10%, he'll be extremely valuable. So I'm with you 100% on Curtis Samuel. Yeah, Kyle, you just blew my mind. I had no idea uh, that Curtis Samuel ran the most routes in the league. That's that's I'm still just having trouble processing and Steph I mean me and Steph are in a league together so um you better uh be watching your back on Curtis Samuel Steph I might have to snipe him from you a couple rounds early but that wraps up um our last segment regarding our 2020 way too early sleepers so Kyle before we go we want to do a quick rapid fire round with you we're going to ask um, eight to ten questions here. We want you to just kind of spit out the first thing, the first answer that comes to your mind. Uh, are you ready? Let's go. All right. First question: PPR or half PPR? PPR. Invisibility or super strength? Give me the invisibility. What is the best fast food burger? <sighs> Man, uh, let's go with Burger Twenty One. Kickers or no kickers? Kickers. I'm all about them. I write about them all the time. Ooh, I love it. I, I, I will come out with a kicker column in about two weeks. What is your favorite holiday? Uh, Thanksgiving. Star Wars or Harry Potter? Harry Potter. If you were a character from Harry Potter, who would it be? I would be Arthur Weasley, which is the, the dad. <laughs> Dude loves love stuff. He's a, he's a weirdy. I like it. <laughs> what is your most recent Halloween costume? Ooh, uh, this past year, I was the man in the yellow hat. My my son was Curious George. Andy, Mike, or Jason? <laughs> That's so tough. Well, tell me what we're we're go- what the competition is, and I'll tell you who. Uh oh wow! I think I feel like either of the three are just so obvious choices. We'll go Andy, Mike, or Jason. Who can throw a football the farthest? Andy. He kills it. <laughs> Very all nice. Right. That's all we got. Great rapid fire around there. Some great, great answers. I, I swear, I, it feels like we had these planned because some of those were um, <laughs> deep shots, hot takes all over the place. Arthur so, Weasley hot uh, takes is what we're about on this show. Yeah, that rattled <laughs> me a little bit. I couldn't believe well, it. Kyle, <laughs> you need some kickers in your life. That's true. Maybe uh, you have another chance to convince us. We'd love to have you back on the show. Kyle, thank you so much again for taking the time to hop on here. Um, I had a blast walking through some of these picks with you. And honestly, I learned a lot, a lot of really good stats there. So really, thank you again. Appreciate the time today. Steph, Alex, you guys are awesome. Thanks, guys. Well, guys, thank you all so much for listening. Really appreciate it. One more thing before we go, check out doublemovesports.com. We're creating player databases there with some really, really different uh, stats, videos, things like that for different players. Go check that out. And of course, our 2020 way too early rankings are on there as well. So that's another thing. If you want to 
talk to us about those. We'd love to do that. And we'll see you next time.